How would you define happiness? Take that question to the streets, and I'm guessing many people would begin describing a type of feeling. But is happiness really a feeling, or is it something more? And how do we become, how do we become truly happy? Part three of our series on the search for happiness, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley welcoming you back to our three-part series on the search for happiness of Blueprint from the Beatitudes. Yeah, I remember once when my late mother, may she rest in peace, was in a sort of meditative mood. When I asked her what she was thinking about, she said, I've just been thinking about when I was a little girl. I would sit in a swing, and as I swung back and forth, I remember feeling so close to God. I don't think I've ever felt God being so present as back then. Well, I don't recall how I answered my mother, or even if I said anything at all, but surely she's not alone in her experience. I'm guessing most, if not all of us, can think of times in our lives when God felt especially close. And I think it's a natural response to desire such a time again, and then to wonder about what we can do to get back there. When it comes to our happiness, though, our true happiness, as our loving Heavenly Father has designed it for us, it must go beyond a feeling. It must be something more like fulfillment, marked by a peace and a joy that only union with God can bring. And it's exactly that union and how to enter into it more fully that we're exploring in our three-part series on happiness through the Beatitudes. Back once more to guide our thoughts and discussion is our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, priest of the Oblates of St. Joseph. Father Matthew currently serves as Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. Good morning, Father. Good to be speaking with you again. Oh, thanks, Patrick. The pleasure is all mine. Yeah, this has been a great series. I've really learned a lot in our first two uh, our first two parts of the series, of this three-part series, and I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Why don't we kick off again, Father, as we did yesterday, with just a reminder from our first day when we talked about the link between what we call happiness and the Beatitudes. Sure. Well, the Beatitudes uh, get their name from, of course, the, the expressions used by Jesus in Matthew 5. Beati sunt, blessed are, blessed are those, blessed are they. Uh, and, and another translation of that into English is happy are, happy are those. Uh, because when it comes to the spiritual life, these two things are synonymous. Happiness is blessedness. Happiness is holiness. And holiness, of course, leads to, uh, or is happiness, right? That's how, mm. we, how we find happiness is, uh, is through living a holy life. So um, yeah, it's. I think it's a really, really beautiful, important point that that we have to reflect on that our own happiness is 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 inextricably linked to our own holiness. Right? We will mm-hmm. never be happy if we're not holy, and that's what Jesus is challenging us to in the Beatitudes. Yeah, very good. Well, we've got the final three Beatitudes. We covered the two the first day, three yesterday. And of course, if you missed any of those, you can always find our find our links to our archive shows and podcasted shows uh, there on the relevantradio.com on the show page. 
Um, and if you uh, hopefully you can tune into that and share those with others. Um, we, so we have the remaining three Beatitudes to cover today, uh, Father, and we're kicking off with our first one for the hour ahead is, Blessed are the pure in heart or clean in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this is a... I think we've already said a number of times in our series, Father, that our Beatitudes don't necessarily, they, they don't necessarily play to our natural inclinations. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one may not, may uh, be just as defiant of those as the others. So what are we talking about when we talk about the pure of heart? Yeah, this, this particular uh, challenge, characteristic that we're called to, to live in our lives uh, has really far-reaching implications. I mean, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he's not talking about only, say, chastity or only, you know, a purity of motivation. He's talking about the fullness of an attitude and an approach towards life to do things for the right reasons, to include in our lives only what what is holy and to to little by little root out what is not holy so that we can get rid of what is not pure in our life. And I think that's an important, an important thing to keep in mind as we dive into, into this beatitude and, and the remaining, the remaining ones is that Mm -hmm. it's, um, it means a lot, right? I mean, what Jesus is trying to say is not just one particular, uh, you know, virtue that we need to live in our life, but rather a whole state of being, a whole approach and attitude to, to life that we're called to have. So to be pure of heart means a lot of things, Patrick. It means, certainly it means to have a, a purity of sight and a purity of, of living. And that's important when it comes to chastity. That's important when it comes to our use of created things. Uh, but it also, it also gets to how we approach life in general. And are my motives going to be pure? Is my, are my intentions going to be ordered correctly? In other words, you and I both know Patrick from our own personal failings. It's it's easy to do things for the wrong reasons. You know, we might do something so that people honor us, or do something so that we we get rich, or do something for for reasons that aren't really uh, aren't aren't really pure. And Jesus challenges us in this beatitude to do things for the right reason always, which includes, of course, uh, all aspects of the spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I must say, Father, I appreciate all that you're saying there and that it's not just about specifically chastity, although I'm sure that's included in it. But uh, Mm -hmm. as you as you go on about that and just saying that our motives all need to be pure about everything that we do in life, um, you're not making this any easier, Father. You're making (laughs) it tougher here. Well, I guess I should say Jesus is right. Not not you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) No, you're 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 right. I mean, and we've talked about this over the last couple of days. The Beatitudes are a fulfillment of the law, which is not a relaxation of the law. It's right. not It's not making things, uh, well, I shouldn't say it, it makes them easier in the sense that we have now God's grace available to us in a new way and through mm-hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he calls us to a standard of living that is even even higher than he called previous generations to perhaps, but... But on the other hand, he's also supplying the grace that we need to to attain that. So you're right. It is this is a tall order to be mm-hmm. to live the Beatitudes well. 
The Search for Happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes is our three-part series that we're drawing to a close today with our walk through the Beatitudes from our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer of the Oblates of St. Joseph. And if specifically in talking about uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you know someone in your life who is especially pure of heart? Do you do you seek to emulate them? Is there someone who really models purity of heart well for you? Why not give them a shout out? Give us a call. Uh, we'll be glad to hear your story on air. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife@relevantradio.com. And Father, I think one of the things about this particular beatitude is that there are so many temptations toward impurity of, and again, not just in the realm of chastity, although those abound, of course, but also in, uh, as you were saying, motivation, that uh, it seems like there's a constant human struggle within that would say, well, if I just did this, it might seem a little deceptive, a little devious, uh, then but I get all this in response. I mean, you know, we tend to, I think, kind of naturally be inclined to do something like that. So how do we pursue this purity of heart? What do we do to become pure in heart? You know, Jesus, um, a few verses later after the Beatitudes, will give some, some concrete examples of exactly this, how to purify our motives. So in Matthew 6, he will say, when you fast, don't let people know that you're fasting, right? Anoint your head and mm. look happy so that people don't see that you're, you're actually suffering a little bit. When you pray, go to your room, close the door, don't let people see that you're praying. And he says, when you give alms, don't let your, uh, le- your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Jesus challenges his disciples to pray, to fast, and to give alms, of course, but to do it in a way that's for the right reasons. And what Jesus says is, you know, your reward will be great in heaven if you do this for the right reasons. Whereas if you do it for the wrong reasons, if you give alms so that people laud you for your generosity, then you've already received your reward, Jesus says. Mm. So I think, first of all, we have to, we have to be convinced that that's the case. And that, that, is a, that is an act of faith because we have to say, well, if people don't see that I'm such a virtuous person, then uh, we have to believe in faith that the Lord sees that and the Lord will, will reward us for that. But then we have to actually practice some, some self-denial and some discipline and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to do things for the right reason, even though it doesn't feel natural, even though I would rather people see that I'm you know, so great and so wonderful and, and, and I get things out of this for, for ulterior motives. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's a twofold kind of process that on the one hand, we have to have faith and believe that in fact, to live a life that is pure of heart, pure of intention, uh, doing things for the right reasons, then uh, we have to first believe that. And then in order to do that well, we actually have to practice discipline and say, well, I'm going, yeah. to, I'm going to strive to do that. Right, right. And that's exactly, I mean, that, that discipline piece is something that how, how we cooperate with the work of the grace of God in our lives and how we see that come really bear fruit. And specifically, I can see in this beatitude, as you're saying, that it, it doesn't seem so much that, I mean, it, it, there's almost a warning hidden, right? Uh, of course, well, there is a warning hidden in those things that you were talking about, the uh, Jesus prescribing this sort of secrecy uh, with praying, with fasting, with giving alms, uh, such that just to make sure that, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to end up doing these things so that others can see you and give you praise. Um, 
And man, I don't know. I could see that translating in so many things today, even, dare I say it, within our parishes, within our Catholic parishes, that uh, there are some things that we may opt to do, that we may sign up to do, that we may want to do for reasons that are beyond the holy, beyond the pure. What do you think yeah, about that, Father? you think that's yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and that's why chastity uh, is included as, as a, you know, a way of life that is pure of heart because chastity rem- or, uh, invites us to order our desires to do things for the right reason, right? So right. we use our, our, our passionate desires or sexual impulses not to satisfy something here on earth, not to get some pleasure out of it alone, but to use it in the way that God intends for it to be used, depending on our state of life, right? If we're married, then to enjoy conjugal relations. If we're not, then to appreciate, you know, offering this up as a sacrifice to the Lord. And that's why chastity uh, is an essential part of living, uh, of being pure of heart, because it's for the same reason as you just described, it's inviting us to, to do things for the right reasons and to use what we've been given for the right appropriate purposes. And the the beautiful thing about this, Patrick, is that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to appreciate the benefits of this, right? I mean, the person who's living a chaste life experiences greater self-mastery, experiences greater pervading happiness in their life. It might not be as might not be um, as uh, immediate, right? And it might not have the the ups and downs that somebody uh, who's not chaste has, but but it will have a, a much more regular, higher, more um, just joy-filled experience of daily living. Just as the same will be true with all aspects of living, purity of motivation and purity of intention. When we're doing things for the right reason, we might not experience an immediate happiness in that, but we don't have to wait until until we get our reward in heaven to experience satisfaction from it because we're growing in virtue, we're growing in discipline and self-mastery, and we have the satisfaction of knowing that our hearts are becoming more ordered to God's plan for us, right? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what all of the Beatitudes really do is they allow us to experience greater happiness even here on earth. Yeah, without a doubt. Again, our spiritual director is Father Matthew Spencer of the Oblates of St. Joseph, as we're talking for uh, through our third part in the series of Search for Happiness, a Blueprint from the Beatitudes, and specifically talking about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And uh, if you have someone in your mind who really exemplifies that for you, who stands out in your life um, uh, as someone who is pure of heart, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones. We've got Greg who's calling in from Minnesota. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, talking about not giving communion or not giving uh, uh in such a way that others know you're giving. But yet our church wants us to, if you're giving electronically, to put a small card in the plate when it comes around that says I'm giving electronically as a way to let others know that they should give electronically as well. How does one approach that with the church and and tell them that you don't want to give that card in in the communion basket when it comes around, et cetera, in in the uh, offertory basket? 
Uh, well, far be it for me to contradict your pastor, Greg. I'm blushing a little bit because I don't want to get anybody in trouble or speak against it. But I, I, I know the system that you're talking about, right? Electronic giving is is very common and simple these days, and yet we still pass baskets at churches. And so many inside of of churches will say, "Well, we want we want to make sure that people are still participating." in the liturgy and there's something to be said for that right because when we're giving electronically it's it's usually outside the context of the liturgy sometimes without even a thought if i set it up so automatically something deducts each month from my bank account then i might not even be uh, explicitly intentionally doing that uh, each sunday but uh, but yeah i kind of i kind of would say that uh, it's not necessary to put those cards in the basket it's not necessary that people um, will see us doing some action to represent our giving. In fact, I think as Jesus points out, you know, if we can humbly pass the basket without putting anything in there, that should also speak volumes. And and frankly, Greg, you know, when people are watching us, they shouldn't be saying, "Oh, look at look at that guy. He didn't put anything in the basket. You know, he never puts anything in the basket. I can't believe it. You know, he's not tithing well. They've they've stepped far beyond what they should in terms of." judgment and and uh, assessing a situation so yeah that that's a that's a very very good example greg of of, of uh, an area that is a very modern kind of a phenomenon and i would say um you know nobody is obliged to put anything in the basket be it uh money or be it um some uh, representation of our offering that's given electronically I can see the value of doing that. I can see why pastors encourage it. And I can see why some people would feel that they want to participate liturgically. And it's not to be seen. It's more that, hey, I'm, I am participating in the offering. And that's beautiful and, and can be uh, considered appropriate. But also I think it, it could be considered appropriate to simply um, not draw attention to ourselves for our giving. All right. Very good. Thank you for the call, Greg, and thank you for the question. It's a very practical way of living out the Beatitudes, but you know what? These Beatitudes, really, at the end of the day, are practical, but they also um, are seed seedbeds for our own happiness. Father, before we take a break, I want to make sure that we hit the second part of this Beatitude before we move on to the next one, for they shall see God. Now, I'm I'm... I'm guessing, maybe I'm thinking, maybe the Lord was hearkening back to somewhere like Psalm 24 that says, who may go up to the mountain of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place. And he says, the clean of hand and pure of heart, who has not given his soul to useless things, what is vain. And, but I know too that there was, I mean, the Old Testament prescription of seeing God face to face was instant death. And so what is he talking about? For they shall see God. What, what is that promise about? Yeah, I mean, this would be a radical, a radical promise for for the the hearers of Jesus, right? I mean, we kind of we we've come become desensitized, I think, to the possibility of quote unquote seeing God because we have these such intimate encounters with the Lord through our sacraments, and while while we don't see Him face to face, at least here this side of death, we don't, right? Uh, we we have come to feel a closeness and an intimacy and a, a possibility of encountering God, but but we remember that um, in in Jesus's time, especially uh, and even in our times, the Jews would would be rather surprised to say that that's even possible, right? Because who can look upon the face of the Lord and live? Scripture tells us. Um, well, I think that's kind of underscoring how how radical the promises of the beatitudes are that Jesus 
says to us, when you live with a pure life, a pure heart, when your intentions are all ordered to what God's will is for you, then you will see God. I mean, you will you will see God's plan clearly. You will see uh, him in your neighbor, but ultimately you will see him face to face in heaven too. Wow. And so I, I think there's there's a spiritual aspect to this promise, but it's also I think a a, a very a very concrete possibility of us encountering the Lord. Why, why is that, Patrick? It's because when we do things for the right reason, our vision uh, clears up, right? I mean, when we do things for the right reason, we can see the world more clearly and, and we can even see the hand of God in the world most clearly. I mean, Patrick, I, I see this all the time. Often I see this as a priest, people who have been away from the church for a long time and have fallen into a life of habitual sin and have distanced themselves from the Lord through sin, uh, it colors their vision. I mean, it obscures their ability to see the love of the Lord, to see his action in their lives. And then confession, it opens their eyes, right? I mean, confession lets them see vision and God's healing grace lets them see the world much more clearly. And I think that's, that's, essentially what Jesus is talking about. When we're doing things for the right reason and living holy lives, then we will see the Lord more clearly in yeah. our lives. Yeah, and I'm and, and that brings to mind uh the close of John nine and the man born blind and the Pharisees questioning, you know, are we are we blind too? And he yeah. said, Well if you were blind you would have no sin. But now you say, we see your sin remains. And I mean it's just powerful to know that yes, I striving after, after this purity of heart can indeed open our eyes to the presence of God all around us. Well, I tell you what, Father, we could go on and on and on on this beatitude, but we're already a little bit behind schedule. So I want to move on. Um, So again, we're talking about the search for happiness and specifically a blueprint from the Beatitudes as we're going through them one by one with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. Up next, after this short break, we're going to be taking a look at Blessed are the Peacemakers. So uh, yeah, have that rolling around in your head as we take this break and then join us on the other side. We'll see you then. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. Joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at RelevantRadio.com slash property. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley and with me is Father Matthew Spencer, who's our spiritual director today for part three in our three-part series on specifically the search for happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes. Well, we're down to number seven, Father. We've made our way, I think, rather well, uh, if I may say so, through the first six. Number seven is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, again, peace is one of those terms that uh, has many usages, just like mercy in our Catholic and even in our popular mindset. Um, anywhere from you know the absence of war to uh, something that is so much deep and more much deeper and more profound. So, what if we're making peace? What kind of peace are we to make according to Jesus? 
Uh, that, that's a great question, right? Because peace is not the just the absence of violence, right? I mean, that um, is sometimes how we approach uh, our efforts at peacemaking and to to minimize conflict or division. But that's not that's not ultimately that's a not a full sense of peace, right? I mean, you right. can you can lack conflict with somebody and yet not experience complete unity with them, right? And and peace, when it comes to the way that Jesus is presenting it to us, is not simply about lack of division. It's about a whole orientation and and way of life that allows God to be in control. I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, our approach of of the other Beatitudes, which is to see them not as a simplistic uh, w- word that means one thing. So we were, when we were talking about poor in spirit, for example, we were saying, well, it doesn't just mean having few possessions. It means a, a mm-hmm. complete detachment from from our, our, our from material possessions and even from our own will. So when we talk about blessed are the peacemakers, when we first I think we talk about peace, we're talking about somebody who's devoted not simply to ending wars around the world, as important as that is, right? I don't want to yeah, minimize right. that yeah, as sure. a as a goal, but to say, well, it's it's more than that. It's about bringing all peoples to the fullness of truth and to the fullness of life. Which ultimately, I mean, in the end, means a relationship with Jesus and becoming part of His church, right? And living out our lives as Catholics as best we can. So when we say blessed are the peacemakers, certainly we mean people who are working for peace at a global level. Uh, We're also talking about people who are working for peace in families. uh, But also we're talking about people who are working for peace in evangelization and sharing sharing the gospel with others. So it has this, this real rich meaning to be a peacemaker in the world. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, Father, but it would seem that with uh, Jesus, of course, being Jewish in his upbringing and everything, that he would have a pretty high understanding, even in his, <laughs> in his human nature, of this understanding of shalom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, right. we, it's hard to, for us in English to capture the, the full meaning of that word shalom, which means so much more than, than, than the English word peace, right? It's a fullness of life. It's a fullness of of uh, of uh I was going to say peace. I don't want to have a circular definition here, but it's a fullness <laughs> of, of uh, abiding in the presence of God and in his will for us, right? And I mean, yeah. I think you're very right. When when Jesus talks about peace, we should our ears should perk up a lot because he's specifically thinking about that shalom, which only comes from God. Right, and him being the prince of peace himself. So that's, uh, that's another... <laughs> Helpful little way, as always. I think we've said that a number of times, but it bears repeating that, of course, with all these Beatitudes, it really, uh, a lot of them just boil down to just living our lives in union with with Jesus and in union with his will for us. So um, that's, and, and the person who he is, the divine person who he is, and with a, both a human and divine nature. So, uh, Father, as we're, as we're talking about being a peacemaker then, how... Any strategies that Jesus gives us or any suggestions you have on how do we foster this peace? I mean, you talked about evangelization and things like that, but uh, what practically can we do to to become uh, better peacemakers? You know, it's interesting. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Irenaeus, right? Oh, He's yeah, a, right. A, a martyr and, a, I mean, a father of the church. 
And uh, his name literally means peaceful. Irenaeus comes from the Greek meaning, meaning peaceful or peace. Uh, and we can look at his life and see that, well, to be, to, to be a peacemaker oftentimes means realizing that we don't have to win arguments. We have to sometimes have those conversations. We have to share the truth. But I think too often, especially in modern times, Patrick, we're so consumed with winning in arguments. So yeah. on social media, I have to make sure that I, I have the last word and that I, you know, I'm correct and that the other person is corrected. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, we have this sense of like needing to be right and letting other people know that. What, have you and hacked my computer pe- here, Father? Is that what you've done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking at each other's social media feeds, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, please. I was just thinking that, you know, um, to be a peacemaker, I think, means uh, not necessarily winning an argument. Uh, I mean, we might be right, but we don't have to, we don't have to force, uh, force that down other people's throats. We, ha- we have to invite them into an awareness of this dialogue and ultimately to the truth but that's the spirit that does that right i mean it's the holy spirit that that wins hearts and 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 converts minds mm-hmm. uh, so to be a peacemaker i think means embracing the truth knowing the truth living holy and upright lives and then sharing that in a way that that takes root in other people's lives rather than rather than in our own aggressive or willful way rather than our own you know uh, need to sometimes win arguments or or win people over uh, directly for our own gain to be a peacemaker means to 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 share the love of of Christ in the gospel and to let that love speak for itself to to invite others to to the truth in Jesus Christ good tips from our spiritual director father matthew spencer as we're making our way through the beatitudes in search of happiness as the happiness that jesus has lined out for us and we're talking specifically about blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god who has been a peacemaker in your life have you seen uh, people who have done tremendous things for the efforts of peace and not just again an absence of war although as important as that is but who is one of your heroes as a peacemaker? Maybe there's someone known to us through the communion of saints, and maybe it's somebody who's known just through a few people, yourself included. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149, or our email address is relevantradio.com. All right, Father, so is just continuing to explore this particular beatitude. Um, the promise, the cor- correlating promise here with blessed are the peacemakers is for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, in the terms of, we could define that, I suppose, in a number of different ways. What do you think Jesus is getting at here? I think when uh, the the nature of sons and daughters is to be obedient to the Father, right? Uh, I mean, this is this is the vocation of all of us who are who are children, right? It is to be obedient to our parents. This is um, certainly a mandate from Scripture, and it's a, a command of the Lord. Uh, but also, it 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 is a uh, a symbol of our obedience to God the Father, right? I mean, it's it's all pointing to our obedience to God's law. When we are peacemakers, we're being obedient to to the Lord's will for us which leads us into sonship and and leads us into a deeper relationship with the father. I mean, 
again, it's kind of a radical concept that we, I think, don't 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 appreciate as much as maybe we should. Uh, just mm-hmm. as perhaps um, you know, to look upon the face of God when we are pure of heart is is a radical concept. To be children of God is really something special. We take it for granted because we know that in our baptism we become his beloved sons and daughters. We know that we can call God our Father. But this is this is a privilege and not something to be taken for granted, not something to be presumed. So I think when when Jesus invites us to be peacemakers, he's he's connecting this intimately to our obedience to the Father to our relationship to God, which which itself is a gift, right? I mean, that that relationship that we can even call God Father is a gift. And when we're not peacemakers, then uh, then we're pushing the Father away. We're not working towards family unity. We're not working towards the Father's will. When I'm willful and aggressive and violent, um, simply for going against God's will or going against my my brother or sister, then I'm not I'm not leading to greater unity within the body of Christ. And so it harms our relationship as sons and daughters of God. Yeah. And I think that's that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, aspect of this beatitude that it connects working for peace in the church and the world and our families and our relationships. It connects it to our own to our Christian vocation, which is to be beloved sons and daughters of God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, just you were hitting on something right there that just was, again, running through my mind that sometimes, I mean, I think we can we can say in our best moments or our better moments even that, uh, yeah, sowing seeds of discord is is not a godly thing, right? It's not a godly thing to do. But in the heat of it, especially if we feel somebody has wronged us in some way or maybe we just have this this hankering to to kind of get under the skin of somebody else. We might just offer an offhand comment, and it feels good to do that. Hmm. But ultimately, what I understand you and Jesus to be telling us is that that is going to detract from our ultimate happiness, not add to it, right? I think so. I think it's not as productive as we feel it is. Right? Yeah, when we, right. When we win arguments or when we, you know... Um, violently correct somebody <laughs> or when uh-huh. when when we're when we're when peace is not our aim and, and I don't mean peace just by pacifying everybody right I mean there has to be truth mixed into that but so so much of our or I shouldn't say mixed into it truth has to be the foundation of building peace but um so much of our our discourse in today's time so many of our relationships are not focused on the good of the other in the long term. They're focused on winning an argument or thinking that somehow me correcting somebody at this moment is the most productive way to their conversion, when oftentimes it's not. I mean, oftentimes patience with people is goes a lot further for their conversion, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes talking through things without without having to be aggressive, without having to force something upon another person. It leads to a relationship which then can can lead to conversion and to greater openness to the truth. It's hard because it takes a lot longer, right? It takes longer to bring people to Christ <laughs> yeah. that way. But yeah. I think it's in the long term, it's much more effective. Yeah, and you had to tie patience in with it, didn't you, Father? <laughs> 
Oh, man. Can't go without that. Yeah. Uh, I got to go back to the confessional, I think. Well, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a frequent one for me. That Well, that impatience, I think, is something that um, we want to be corrective, but um, so oftentimes, at least speaking for myself in my own life, that, that, uh, that impulse to correct, while maybe born initially out of this desire for, as you said, the truth that undergirds all, that needs to undergird all of that we're talking about, but it so quickly devolves into a just, I want to be right. Um, you know, I want to, I want to prove myself right in this situation. So, okay, Lord, help us all in terms of uh, exercising um, patience and becoming better peacemakers. Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Spencer, offering us some great advice as we look at the eight Beatitudes that Jesus has given us as, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 as a pathway, a blueprint for happiness. We're going to be back after a short break here, and then we'll move on to the eighth and final one. Those who are blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That's coming up on the other side of the break. So don't go away. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com forester. to the inner life on relevant radio my name is patrick conley and i offer my thanks to nick sentovich our producer and sarah tafoya who is taking your phone calls and our spiritual director for the hour of the last actually three days father matthew spencer of the oblates of saint joseph currently the provincial superior and shrine director for the oblates out of saint santa cruz california uh just father before we get on to the last beatitude here we had a phone call come in over the break from sebastian calling in from alberta canada Sebastian, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for calling in. Hi there, um, Patrick. Can you hear me? Yep, just fine. Go ahead. Awesome. Well, there's a situation that has been weighing on me for just over seven years, and I think has a lot to do with being a peacemaker. So my wife and I were invited to a wedding, um, and we had to, well, we traveled, Um to the wedding and everything was fine. It was a big family reunion, and this was a, it was a, a relative of mine. And um, well, everything yeah. The, the the day before our wedding, um, you know, the ladies were getting together, doing their nails and chat chatting about well things. And then I, I wasn't part of that party, of course, um, but my wife was there, and. She, I mean, the conversation started, talk to, they started to talk about, well, the, the the bride was commenting, well, I'm going to start changing the prayers for the Mass, where they, where they, for example, would commit to bring up their kids Catholic, to, uh, because they want, I want, we want to leave them open to, um, to choose whatever they want. And then she was talking about, um, what kind of contraceptive they would they would implement during their life to, to uh, control the, the the what is family planning and it would be something it would think it was like an IUD and um, they also started talking about um, uh, well I think those were the towering aspects of it and then after that uh, nail polishing party was done my wife shared these things with me. And I mean, I'm not a canon lawyer, but I I got greatly distressed that they were going to be um, 
essentially doing these things in the context of a Catholic Mass. And I asked two people, one said, yeah, you should talk to her. And the other, my, and then my spiritual director said, don't talk to her and just go to the wedding. But then I think my, um, my zeal got the better of me and I, I did end up talking to her. To the best of my recollection, I was very, I was very kind. I was, I mean, obviously the poor, the the really sticking, the the sticking point in this situation, in my opinion, is is the timing. But the way I saw it through my conscience was, why would I not speak up before they cross that bridge? Um, because to to my recollection, I think that it, I don't know if it would have impeded. If it would have impeded the validity of the marriage, and when I when I spoke with her and sure. I said so, excuse me, Sebastian. Let, let me just cut in, just so in the interest of time, because um, I, I realize it's a complex situation. Um, so your your um, can you just give me the the brass tacks of what you're what you're asking uh, me to respond to? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm just wondering if I should have talked to her or not. Because her response was that I cannot do uh, this to Grandma which means I, I cannot see. get married outside the Catholic Church. But I said, you don't have to do it. You can still get married in some other context, but but you're going to go through something that may not be licit. So that was the gist of my conversation with her. And then it's been weighing on me because it obviously severed ties with that family. And yeah. I don't know what the next steps, if any, I should take. I think, th- I mean, this situation, Sebastian, is a, is, a, is a powerful example of the challenges of being a peacemaker, right? Because to be a peacemaker, of course, means to tell the truth and to abide in the truth and to live in the truth. Uh, it also means speaking that truth, but also in the time and the manner that, that is going to be most effective. And probably the reason your spiritual director was counseling you one way or the other was taking into consideration how effective your testimony and your witness might be at a certain at a certain point. Um, you know, the, the problem or the particular curiosity of this situation is that this bride is putting herself against the teaching of the church. I mean, she's saying one thing and then doing another. So if she doesn't agree to bring up her children Catholic, if she doesn't agree to abide by the church's teachings on uh, on marriage and sexuality, right from the beginning of her her vows, if she's saying one thing but intending another, then it, it does question bring into question the validity of that of that sacrament that she received, and she needs to know that, right? I mean, she needs to know that whether she needs to know that on the eve of her wedding or the day of her wedding. Uh, that's a different question, you know, and the timing becomes the challenge and the particular um, craft of being a peacemaker. To be a peacemaker means to certainly address these difficult situations, but to always do it in a way that will that will lead to conversion and lead to greater thought. Sometimes that means people will be distanced from us for a time, but hopefully the peacemaker will work to to lead to conversion and not to not to simply push people away, which I certainly know you weren't intending, Sebastian. So I'll just leave it there. We'll pray yeah. for that situation too. Yeah, great. Thank you, Father, and thank you, Sebastian. Thank you for calling in. Um, obviously, important issues. And actually, Sebastian's call, Father, does move us, I think, pretty well into this last uh, this last beatitude and our blueprint for happiness. Uh, from the Beatitudes. So the last one is, Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus expounds on this a little bit more. He says, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thus they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Pretty lengthy that he would round it off with this father. Is there any kind of, uh, is he given a special emphasis to this particular one, or is he just kind of rounding off the Beatitudes? What do you think? Uh, I think he's um, he's poetically summarizing all of the Beatitudes with this very, uh-huh. very difficult <laughs> Beatitude to accept. I mean, I was thinking about this in, in preparation for our discussion today, Patrick. It's kind of like going up to somebody and saying, you have a fatal illness and you're going to die in a week. Rejoice. Be glad. <laughs> right? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't make sense in a, in no, a, it doesn't, uh, right. in an intellectual way because it seems like that sounds like such bad news. Why would I rejoice at that? And I think that's the feeling we sometimes have when Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness when they insult you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. But then Jesus explains. He does say rejoice and be glad, which is kind of jarring and and very challenging. But then he goes on to to point out, because great will be your reward in heaven. Mm -hmm. Your reward will be immense in the next life. And and isn't this really the 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 summary of all of the beatitudes? As hard as they are to live, as difficult as they are to put into practice, the point is not that somehow we find happiness uh, alone here on earth, but that we have happiness more importantly in heaven. Which means there will be some self denial, there will be some challenge here on earth, but ultimately the beatitudes are meant to lead us to a, a joy. In, in what we will receive in heaven. Mm. So that's the challenge, I think, of this, this last beatitude. But again, Patrick, it's, we can believe it because it's exactly how Jesus lived exactly. his life. And yep. he showed us that he was persecuted. He was insulted. They said all kinds of false things against him. They uh, condemned him to death falsely even. Uh, and yet he was able to, to not hold that against his persecutors. He didn't become resentful and angry because of it. He was meek, accepted that. And of course, we know his reward is great in heaven, right? He, mm-hmm. he won all of salvation for you and for me. And right. that's, uh, that's the point of this last beatitude, I think. Yeah, sits at the right hand of the Father, indeed. And uh, yeah. Okay, well, I get that. Maybe just one uh, thing I'd like your reflection on this last beatitude here, Father, is um, sometimes we can, I think, go out of our ways to create grew out of our way to create trouble for ourselves. Um, kind of like you were just advising Sebastian, right? I mean, I think Sebastian was rightly asking the question, okay, should I have spoken or not? How do I be a peacemaker in this situation? But I know at times, and going back to what we were saying before about, you know, uh, maybe just being more concerned about being right than being uh, a good peacemaker, um, what do we have to guard against? Are there things like that that we need to guard against with this one too, that we don't seek out persecution for persecution's sake. Am I right about that? Yeah. And Jesus is very clear on this, right? He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Right. Um, You know, if, if we're persecuted because of our holiness, if we're persecuted because of our, the just lives that we're trying to live, then there's blessing that can come from that. It's not every kind of persecution and it's not every kind of insult that's a blessing upon us. It's not every kind of 
false, you know, uh, word against us. Uh, it's when all of that is is done because of because of righteousness. Um, it's in other words, it's not um, problems of my own making. You know, if I if I somehow put myself in a position, not because of righteousness, but because of pride or because of arrogance. If I'm persecuted because I'm picking fights online or doing something else, that's not that's not a beatitude, right? There's not blessing right. that comes from that. And we do have to be careful of that, right? Because we can sometimes have a, a martyr's complex and and think that somehow all the pain and suffering that we're doing uh, has no no reference to our own sinfulness, which right. is oftentimes how how the sufferings we're called to bear uh, result from, right? Um, so yeah. yeah, this is this is certainly hard because there's not a clear, not always a clear distinction from that. But but I do think that we we often can find ourselves in situations where we're perplexed why people that treat why people treat us the way that they do. We're we're confused by by people's rejections of our own Christian values. And these are times when we bring these to this beatitude and say, okay, Lord, I'm not sure why this persecution is happening. I'm going to try and be righteous in it and try and um, see it as a blessing, as as you saw your own passion and death as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. That's a tall order as well. It seems like all these eight Beatitudes that we've gone through, Father, are pretty tall orders. But uh, you know what? I, it, when it comes down to it, uniting ourselves to God, it, it takes our will to uh, to come into play with that. And that takes, as you've said many times throughout our three-day series here, that takes discipline. Well, just in our last minute again, before we ask for your blessing, Father, here's how I'd like to, here's the question I want to ask you to kind of sum up the whole of our three-day, three-part series here together. So with all these things being self-referential in some way to Jesus himself as he's sharing that, was Jesus the happiest person in history? What would you say to that, Father? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I I think um, if we, define happiness clearly right as right, as related right. to the beatitudes then we could certainly say Jesus was the one uh who was most aware of his blessedness he was most aware of his intimate relationship with the father he was most aware of of his role in human salvation and because of that absolutely was the most blessed and absolutely was the quote unquote happiness it doesn't mean that emotionally he was always riding a, a, a happiness high, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's a different thing. And I think that's an important consideration for us, that the point of the Beatitudes is to lead us to appreciate how blessed we are in our relationship with the Father, which then ultimately, hopefully, will also lead to happiness in general in our lives. Amen. All right. Well, that's a great way to round it off, Father. I want to thank you, give my personal thanks to you, Father, for taking your time to do these three day, this three-day series. And since blessedness is what we are after, if you could leave us with your blessing, please, Father. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of Jesus and the revelation of these Beatitudes to us. We ask that you might help us to live them out well in our lives at every moment of every day. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Matthew Spencer, our spiritual director. Hey, go back on our show page, listen and share to these these great, uh, this three-day series. I think it's been really rich. Tomorrow, Religious Life with Sister Maristella, uh, and we will see you then. Grace and peace.